1: What is happening, everybody? This is Brad Rowland. This is the Talking Chop Podcast, episode 21. Uh, joining me today after a, a long hiatus with the podcast, I apologize. It's been more than a week, and uh, that shouldn't happen. That's on me. But today, we'll make up for it in a big way with uh, our own Scott Coleman. What's going on, Scott?
0: Hey, Brad. Thanks for having
1: me back on.
0: can't believe we are already halfway through this fun season that we're in.
1: Uh, Fun season uh, is debatable uh, <laughs> at, at certain times, but uh, that's the premise. I'm glad you mentioned that today. Uh, our, our premise of today's show will be, basically, we're just going to review the first half. It's going to be uh, not a lot of news coverage from us today, not a lot of mailbag stuff. We'll get back into that in our regular show next week before the Braves kick off the second half, or you know, the second half in quotation marks, considering the, uh, the amount of games played. But post-All-Star break... On Friday, we wanted, to, we wanted to check in with you guys and uh, basically just run down the first half, and uh, Scott is well-equipped to do that with me, um, just so everybody knows. I sent sent over some uh, topics to Scott ahead of time. We kind of talked through this a little bit, but it's going to be on the fly as well, and we just basically come, came up with a bunch of uh, topics, a bunch of categories um, of basically things that fit for the Atlanta Braves in 2016. Um We'll start, with the, we'll start with some positives, uh, because that's the kind of show we are, right, Scott? We're a positive uplifting That's shop. right. <laughs> uh, contrary to popular belief, Talking Chop can be positive uh, at times. Um, and with that, um, I, uh, I asked Scott for his biggest Major League surprise this season in the 2016 campaign. Scott, what do you think about that, uh, in that particular category?
0: Yeah, it's really unfortunate to lose Tyler Flowers to a broken hand for probably the next month or two months because I think he by far has been the biggest surprise. Um, guys like Freddie Freeman and Julio Tehran have been good, really good for that matter. Um, but everyone expected them to be good. Um Tyler Flowers has been great, um, really hitting well with A.J. Pierzynski really looking like a 40-year-old catcher this year. Flowers um, has gotten a bulk of the starts, and he's been great. Um, Above average hitting, especially for a catcher, uh, seven homers in in less than 200 plate appearances, which is really quite impressive, Um, and I, I don't think it's any... Coincidence that uh, part of why Julio Tehran was an all star is because Tyler Flowers has caught most of his starts. Uh, we had heard that, that Flowers was a strong pitch framer and really worked well with the pitching staff. And I think uh, what we've seen so far out of Flowers uh, really gives the Braves a solid option uh, moving forward. I, I think that he will certainly be a factor in 2017, and hopefully he's able to come back from his broken hand uh, and make a little bit of a contribution down the stretch, especially if the Braves go with their youth movement bring up guys again like Aaron Blair, Tyrell Jenkins, get a couple chances to start. Um, of course, Matt Matt Whistler and Mike uh have been pieces in the rotation now for the better part of the last couple months, excluding Fulty's injury. So a lot of good out of Flowers. I like what I've seen. He's on a pretty cheap deal uh, that the Braves have, I believe, for another year with an option year tacked on. So I think he, by far, has been my biggest uh, pleasant surprise of the year.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty much with you on that. I think Flowers is the obvious answer. I wrote about him a little bit last week about that contract that you mentioned and just the security that it brings. Just to have, it's nice to have a catcher that, um, not that Flowers is going to be an all-star by any means, but he's relatively young. He's 30 years old and a guy who plays quality defense, pitch frames, handles pitching staff, hits with some power. I think his performance this year is probably a little bit fluky in terms of his batting average and on-base numbers, but you know, you know, the power is going to be there. It's always kind of always been there for him. Um, and just to have a guy like that um, in frizinski 's stead, because you mentioned that it's it 's been ugly there we 'll probably come back to A j later in the podcast, but uh, having flowers is very nice. The only other guy I can think of honestly for this for this thing for this category is is Julio I think Julio, you know not that not that it 's a shock that he 's been good, but it maybe it'd be a, a qualifies as a surprise that he 's been this good um, yeah. being being an all star pitching well in the all star game not that that really matters one inning of work but um, just the, his ERA is lower than I thought it would be. I think most people thought it would be after last season. Um, so I wouldn't, it's, again, it's not a shock to, to say that Julio's pitching well, being at being the ace of this staff, so to speak. But, uh, having him be that good has been a surprise, at least to me that he's been, uh, you know, not necessarily an ace level guy, but you know, nothing else right on that run pace to be a number two, a strong number two with the way that he's pitched this season.
0: Absolutely. You know, I just looked it up right now, um, Julio, of course, who's, who's been by far and away the best starter the Braves have, he was so rough last year. And if it wasn't for a better month of September, um, it would have been even worse. Um, looking back at his numbers from the first half of last year, his FIP was uh, 4.71, which is brutal. Uh, um, he uh, wasn't striking anyone out or at least not striking him out at the, the rate he is. Uh, His walk, he was walking about another batter per nine innings, so absolutely. Uh, and What's really amazing, too, is Julio's numbers if you take out those first couple starts. Sure, you can say if you remove the worst starts for any pitcher, they're going to have better numbers, but a guy who does not like pitching in cold weather at all, um, his numbers are really pretty remarkable considering uh, the turnaround he's had uh, from last season.
1: Yeah, I love I love some good arbitrary arbitrary endpoints, Scott. So that's fine. We'll take we'll just take out the first few, few stars, throw them away. Who cares? You know, it's if it helps the
0: trade value, <laughs> it won't hurt anybody.
1: Absolutely. Uh, on on the On the biggest surprise category, the positive side, we'll uh, we'll go to the minor leagues. Um I'll, I'll go I'll, I'll go ahead and start. My guy is Rio, Rio, Rio Ruiz. So I can't talk. Um, it was it's really nice to see Ruiz coming kind of coming into his own after a really really ugly season last year. Um, again, you know Ruiz is not really profiled, at least in my opinion, as a star level player. But at, with as weak as the Braves have been at third base, it's really nice to see him playing well and being so young. Even even still now, being so young in AAA, um, that it's it's good to have a guy like that coming up. And I, and I know most of our fan base knows at least has heard the name of Rio Ruiz, but you know it's really surprising versus his level from last year to this year is really what I'm looking at in terms of that category. What would you come up with for your biggest uh, minor league baseball surprise this year?
0: I think Dustin Peterson was a guy who was maybe in the 25 to 30 range for most prospect rankings coming into the year. Um, And he's a guy who was hitting well uh, last year and then got hurt in the bus crash and really kind of fell off. Um, this year, though Peterson has been terrific. He's been consistent. Uh, his numbers have actually gotten better every single month that he's in Double A. Uh, he's just 21 or 22 years old. Somebody had a great stat that Peterson, playing in Double A ball, um, is uh, hit of all of his at bats this year, and he's approaching 400. Uh, he's faced an older pitcher in all but two of his at bats, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah, that's yeah, no. So he's a solid two years young for the league. Um, I don't think anyone expects Peterson to um, come up and be a star, similar to to Ruiz and and what you kind of touched on. But um, considering what the Braves currently have as far as legitimate outfield bats in the system, uh, Peterson has really come a long way. I think he's another year in AAA next year. He, he'll start in Gwinnett, though he will get a look in spring training. But again, um, you know, a guy who was probably. Uh he was a third-round pick, but he certainly wasn't thought of as a big-time prospect when he came over in the Justin Upton deal. Uh, he's really been quite good all year long in Mississippi and really makes quite a, a top four for, for the Mississippi Braves right now between Albies, uh, Connor Leanne now that he's back, uh, Dansby, and, and he hits fourth. So a lot of good stuff out of Dustin, and hopefully he's able to keep, keep it up throughout the rest of the year um, and give the Braves a legitimate corner outfield bat. Uh, to to at least look at and consider when looking ahead to 2017 and beyond.
1: Yeah, Peterson, it should be noted, like you mentioned his age, he's younger than Nansby Swanson. Yeah, It's one of those things where we think of Swanson as so young because he just got drafted, but obviously he played college baseball, and Peterson's still younger than Swanson. So uh, not to say that we should be more excited about Peterson than Swanson because that's not true. But just for some context, so people kind of gave up on Peterson last year. You mentioned the bus crash. To see him playing this well at at, at AA, playing against you know quality competition at his age is very, very encouraging. And uh, the outfield is uh, is ugly, as you mentioned. Uh, outside of Malik's, um, the uh, the high minors in the outfield has not been uh, a very encouraging spot for the Braves recently. So Peterson's kind of that next guy in the system coming up. So that'll be good to see uh, see and follow him coming through. Um, we can't be positive forever, Scott, and I know you know that, so it's time to move to the biggest disappointment section of the podcast. Um, before we get to actually the disappointments, I'll lead off with this one. Uh, Hector Oliveira, we kind of we kind of w- w- went back and forth on whether we should even include oliveira. I'll go ahead and throw him out there. He's the obvious uh, major league disappointment this year given the uh, the domestic violence charge and the long the long suspension for oliveira he's uh, He's actually set to come off that suspension in a couple of weeks here. Uh, there's some, there's some, uh, some uncertainty as to whether he'll actually play um I, there's been a lot of debate a lot of people think that he might just never set foot on the Braves uh field again in, in that uniform whereas others think you know as soon as he's available to play um you kind of have to put him out there given his salary and, the, and what the team uh, owes him so we won't you know terribly debate that today but he is obviously the biggest disappointment given given the salary given the circumstance of why he hasn't been playing and given what was given up for him in trade I think we can agree on that right Scott
0: Absolutely it's really unfortunate and it'll be interesting to see what the Braves do in a couple weeks
1: yeah, uh, outside Oliveira, I'll go with I'll go with Eric Ibar. Um, there's two obvious ones. I think you might have uh, another lean on this one as well. Uh, Ibar is one of those two guys. You know, he's uh, he's been better lately. I'll say that uh, after after coming back from injury, and I thought he might never come back following that injury just because of how <laughs> bad he was early in the season. Um, he still has a 37 WRC plus for the year uh, with an, with a WAR of negative uh, 1.3. Which is kind of hard to do, even even now in mid July. It's kind of hard to play enough to, to accumulate that kind of negative statistic. Um, it wasn't as if I thought Ivar was going to be great in Atlanta, but trading for him, obviously he was not the centerpiece of that trade, and that should be mentioned for sure in the Simmons trade. But getting Ivar, we thought he, we, he would at least be like a you know maybe a below average major league shortstop um, in terms of starters, but not necessarily one of the worst players in baseball, which is what he's been this year. So I think that qualifies him uh, pretty easily for the uh, disappointment level. Um, but I think there's one more guy that you might be looking at.
0: Yeah, I think A.J. Prezinski for That's as, surprisingly, the one. <laughs> as surprisingly good as he was last year. He has been Really up there with Ibar for being one of the worst players in baseball all year. If it wasn't for Tyler Flowers and Pierzynski had to play a couple more games, he'd probably be the worst um, overall, at least going by war. Uh, you know, Pierzinski's hitting .205 uh, with a two twenty-seven on base, two fifty slugging. Uh, couldn't throw me out trying to steal second base. Um, couldn't throw me out carrying a 50-pound bag of weights trying to steal second base. Uh, you know he he doesn't obviously he doesn't have quite the uh, the ability to work a game behind the plate like Flowers does. Um, not that the Braves at least should have expected him to to flirt with a 300 average again like he kind of did last year. Um, but Piernzynski's been pretty brutal, and I think uh, at the end of the, his contract here, he certainly uh, will be gone next year. Um, again, no one expected great things from AJ, but he's been pretty brutal this year.
1: Yeah, that's the obvious one. I think Pruszynski, we, we kind of saw it coming, as you mentioned, the age. Uh, but the, with the way he played last year, there was some reason to think that he could be productive enough to play a meaningful role. But, you know, it's been as ugly as, as imaginable for Brzezinski And that, on the bright side, at least, it, this probably uh, takes the Braves off the market for Pruszynski beyond this year. He's only committed for this season. So I don't think the Braves are going to get sucked into thinking that he can, can do this one more time next year when the team is trying to compete. I think you'll probably see them enter the season with Flowers and, and another option whether it be a young guy they can pick up somewhere else or uh, maybe even you know there's a possibility that they, that they spend big in free agency but Flowers will be one of the two catchers I can't imagine Perzinski will be the other one I think he'll probably retire given this uh this season and his age yeah. um
0: only other guy I would say for a disappointment and I know that it's tough because he missed a month right at the start with injury but Ender Inciarte. Uh, for as great as his glove has been, he's not hitting a lick. Uh, granted, he has been a little unlucky. Uh, his, his batting average on balls in play is about 50 or 60 points below. But even then, there were the concerns that he would not hit outside of Chase Field, as he had never really done throughout his career. Uh, he's hitting .227 uh, with a, on base and slugging that are both hovering right around 300. I would really like to see him pick it up a bit in the second half. He sh- he's shown glimpses of, of being able to be kind of an all fields hitter, uh, put the ball down the line, put it in the gap, be down an infield single. Um, and again, with his glove, he's going to play just about every day. But in Ciarte's bat, there was the worry that he wouldn't hit outside of Chase Field, and he hasn't to this point. Um, you know, it'd be nice to see a few balls bounce his way in the second half so he can regain some of his value heading into 2017.
1: Yeah, Ciarte's a guy that I love unconditionally. Um, So it's one of those things where I didn't want to bring it up, but yeah, you're absolutely right um, that he has not been at the plate at least, what what the Braves were hoping for. His defense and base running are so valuable um, that that it almost, I don't want to say it doesn't matter because it it does matter, but he can be a major leaguer um, without hitting. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, you, you, you worry about him long term as the starting center fielder. If he can't hit above the level that he's hitting this year, so um, you know the the worst case scenario for Ncarte is that he's a fourth outfielder, which is not not bad considering what the Braves gave up in that trade and how that's looking with Shelby Miller heading to AAA. But uh, it would be nice if Ncarte hit just a little bit more so he can uh, you know keep that job um, and have Braves have a low cost option moving forward in that in that position. Um, Even if he's not a star level player, he'll be a productive one. Outside of the major league roster, we'll go to the minor leagues in terms of uh, in terms of this category and disappointments. Uh, you, you want to fire off and start with this one.
0: Yeah, I think and you know with these minor league guys and of course our, our minor league experts at, at TC who who see a little bit more of these guys in person. It's always really dangerous to scout a box a, a score, as they say. You don't know what the pitcher was working on that night. You don't know the umpire. You don't know the playing condition. You don't know, you know, if a fielder doesn't get to a ball that he should have. Um, with that said, I think Sean Newcomb, uh, who of course was the main piece in the Angelton Simmons deal, has been pretty. Uh, frustrating would be the word I would use. I don't know if he's necessarily been a disappointment because the upside certainly remains there as a a lefty who can easily throw mid-90s. He's still striking everybody out, but like he has in his whole career, he's still walking way too many batters. Um, He he has an ERA of about 48 uh... in double-a and he just turned twenty three so it's not a situation of you know he's playing competition that's three years older than him and he's struggling Um he's getting pretty close to being on par for the league average in age Uh, So that's not to say that Newcomb is a bust or that he'll never turn into anything. He certainly could be a number two or number three starter one day if he can harness his control and and strike out batters at the big league level like he has in in the minors. Um, But would like to see a a better second half for him. Um, At this point, he's had about a full calendar year uh, in double A. Uh, to see him kind of turn a corner in the second half would be really encouraging. Hopefully, get him up to Gwinnett by by the start of 2017. Um, so not to not to hate on the guy, I am not trying to say he was you know it's the worst trade in history, but you would like to see him improve command a little bit and, and turn turn around, make some improvements in, in Mississippi the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, in terms of Newcomb, it would be nice to see him come come uh, coming along a little bit faster, only because of the fact that. The pressure's on him, I think, more than any of these Braves prospects, because he was the centerpiece and really the only piece um, of that Simmons trade. Um, you know, not the only—I shouldn't say the only piece, but definitely the centerpiece, the guy that the Braves were sure. targeting in that trade, um, and that kind of puts pressure on him because you can match him up with with a guy that the Braves fans loved in, in Simmons, uh, and not having the, you know other other pieces to take the focus off of Newcomb, so. The pressure is going to be on him, and it's easy to see um, why people are disappointed with him so far. But you mentioned it. The upside is still there. Um, in terms of uh, guys outside of Newcomb, I'll, uh, I'll put Lucas Sims out there. Um, Sims actually kind of had a lights-out start to the season, um, it, which makes it even uh, more brutal that he currently sports an ERA of 7.56 in 50 innings of AAA this year. Um, Sims, again, is only 22 years old. You know, came straight out of high school as a local product. From Gwinnett County, so there's still there's still room for growth there, and he still has some quality stuff. But um, 6.66 walks per nine in 50 innings is not going to get it done for Lucas Sims. Uh, I, all our all of our prospect guys are mad at me still because I was actually in attendance the night that it, things kind of fell apart for Sims, after that hot start. And ever since then, it's kind of been pretty ugly. So those guys, uh, headlined by Eric, are still upset with me personally. Hmm. Uh, but no, I, I, and again, I'm not I'm not trying to bury Sims. I think we should, uh, you mentioned it before. We should we should be careful in saying these guys are disappointing. But I think, especially given the start that Sims uh, Sims qualifies for this, just because of the fact that the the numbers don't lie. Uh, they might lie a little bit but they don't lie enough to uh, write off a 7.56 ERA um, so hopefully Sims can sort of capture whatever he had early in the season that, that monster strikeout rate is there he's still striking out over 10 batters per nine innings so that's, that's encouraging but at 22 um, you know he's been a professional for four whole years now uh, and you know the numbers are not, haven't really been great anywhere since his first year or so in the in the system. So it, it would be uh, encouraging to see him come alive a little bit, but it may not be right away this year. He might be up he might be up up up, up a level too high also at AAA. Obviously, he's gone back and forth a little bit. So uh, Sims is worth keeping an eye on, and I think he qualifies a little bit for this uh, this, this distinction.
0: Yeah, and in fun news, because we like fun at Talking Chop, Keith Watt did did release his updated top 50 here uh, earlier on Thursday. Um, Dansby is 12th, Ozzy Albies is 15th, Uh, Colby Allard uh, who Keith Law was really high on coming to last year's draft is 38th, and Sean Newcomb uh, dropped about 20 spots. He's now 47th. Um, and but Law only did top 50. But the fact that the Braves have four of the top 47 prospects in baseball, of course, that doesn't even include uh, you know their recent international signees. I think Law did include a couple of his recent draftees. Um, and while Anderson, Wentz, and, and um, uh, Mueller didn't make it, um, there's still plenty of upside in, in the depth right now, and the system overall is, is pretty ridiculous, even if it may lack a little bit of high upside uh, talent at the moment.
1: Yeah, that's pretty crazy. We just, we just kind of crapped on Sean Newcomb, and he's still a top 50 prospect. Yeah, uh, good problem to have. So, yeah, it's one of those things where, Keith Law is not the end all, be all, but I think we all respect his work a great deal. So being a top fifty guy for him, uh, and, and Newcomb still lands on our disappointment list. Maybe our maybe our our bar is a little bit too high, but sure, we do like Sean Newcomb still. Um, moving away from players a little bit, uh, we'll talk about some of the moments from this first half. Um, what is your favorite moment of the first half? This can be you know performances, it could be team based uh, run, any, anything that you uh, particularly enjoyed from the first half of the season.
0: Uh, the moment that sticks out to me was the sweep of the Mets about a month ago in in New York City. Um, to be able to, to sweep the defending champs or the defending National League champs was was pretty great. I think that was the Braves' sixth win in a row um, for a year that's had so much losing. To to be able to beat the Mets, everyone always wants to beat the Mets um, to sweep them. I think they beat Degrom, Syndergaard, and Mets that weekend or something like that. So. Uh, to, that was really fun. It's, it's good to beat the Mets in their place. Um, I Also, and we'll touch on this in a bit, but I also really love seeing uh, Malik Smith. I think he is a ton of fun to watch. I was legitimately bummed uh, when, he, when he broke his hand or broke his thumb uh, in that series, actually, against the Mets. Uh, I guess it takes away a little bit from it, but I thought Malik was, was really fun to watch as well, and I hope we get to see him back sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, I think that, that's definitely the answer in terms of the major league team. Uh, my favorite moment's going to be the draft. I just love the draft now. Um, I, for the longest time, I was not a, an MLB draft guy. But now that I kind of d- dove in uh, the last couple of seasons while working for Talking Chop and uh, kind of doing a little bit of work for us on that, um, I've really kind of fell in love with that process. Uh, and it, obviously, it helps to have three guys um, that we already talked about earlier with Anderson, Wentz, and Mueller that are very, very fun to, to write about, talk about, and you know, three of the top twenty-ish prospects in the entire draft come to the Braves, and the Braves having all the ammunition um, to spend and you know, try to grab top-tier talent. It's been a lot of fun, so I really enjoyed that. That whole week was fun um, for me personally, so yeah. I'll throw that in there. But yeah, in terms of the uh, the Atlanta Braves team as itself as currently constructed. That sweep over the Mets in a six-game winning streak in mid to late June was—I uh, don't want to say it's going to be the highlight of the whole season, but it's—it's it's probably safe to assume that's going to be the best baseball this team plays all year. Um, pivoting away from uh, favorite moment, I—I I, I think the obvious choice for least favorite moment is probably the Hector the morning of the Hector Oliveira suspension. Um, is there any? Is there, uh, is there anything that can even come close to that, or should we not even try?
0: I don't think so. That's just such a bad situation all the way around, and it gives the Braves a really bad, uh, tough decision they have to make here in a couple weeks.
1: Yeah, there's no fun in that to be, to be had. Uh, pivoting away from that quickly, uh, there's a, one of the, uh, I guess one of the runners-up for least favorite moments would have been when Malik Smith got hurt, but I think, you, uh, I think you want to talk about him a little bit as the guy you've been most encouraged by at the Major League level.
0: Yeah, you know, with Malik, he he hit something. He had a great quote after a game. I think he hit two homers, and he said, every home run I hit is by accident because he's not trying to hit the ball 400 feet. Which oh, is,
1: I love that so much. Yeah,
0: yeah considering he's, he's so much fun to watch. Um, I really liked what I saw out of Malik. Um, his first week or two was really rough, as it would be for just about any 23-year-old playing in the big leagues for their first time ever. Um, but he has okay numbers. He was really coming on after kind of looking like a puppy who learned how to run or go up the stairs for the first time uh, he really kind of calmed down on the base paths uh, wasn't oversliding on the bases uh, wasn't getting picked off uh, you know there's a stretch I think where three nights in a row he was either thrown out stealing or picked off um, that's certainly not a skill or I guess it's a, not a lack of skill on his part it's just you know slowing the game down paying attention making sure you're doing the uh, the smart thing on the bases even if it's maybe not the fun thing because uh, I just seeing Malik, I can only imagine him just running wild and any chance he got on base in the minors. Um, but, you know, Malek's struck out a little bit, but also walked quite a bit. Um, I think he's a guy who isn't necessarily a star, but um, over a full season, he's certainly a, a capable starting outfielder. Um, and, again, he's just 23 years old. Hopefully he can come back by the end of August, early September, and, and show the Braves. Because um, even if he is just a really good fourth outfielder, with his, with his speed off the bench and his glove off the bench, he could be a very valuable asset, um, especially as the Braves turn into a little bit of a better team. He kind of strikes me as a guy who um, maybe is even more appreciated on a good team than he is on a bad team, because a good team can utilize him a little bit better um, whereas he may not be a guy who can start 150, 160 games a year.
1: Yeah, you mentioned there's there's going to be a debate. We talked about it earlier with Enciarte. I don't think this team is going to be able to play both of these guys every day in the outfield just because of the bats. Uh, You've gotta have, you got to have power from your outfield at some point. And even, even if you don't get power, you have to have above-average offense from your outfield. Uh, to be a, to be a winning team, it's pretty tough to not have that from your outfield. And, and you know, Mallex might be an above-average offensive player at some point, just because of the speed uh, that, that, sh- that that could allow him to get on base at a higher rate than you might expect, given his uh, his actual uh, contact and power ability. But um, one of those two guys is going to have to hit enough to play center field every day. Uh, you know, obviously this, the team could move on from either one of them at any moment via via trade or how, however else, maybe sign somebody over them, but. Um, NCRT and, and Malik's playing together might might be a problem. It's definitely a problem if they hold on to Nick Markakis, who we'll talk about later. Um, those three guys absolutely can't play together in the outfield, um, just because of the absolute no power from all three of them. Um, but you know, if we assume that Markakis won't be here long term, which is a bold assumption to make, I'll grant you. Um, but one of those guys, we're going to need. You know, Braves are going to need Malik's or NCRT, preferably both, to hit. Uh, otherwise, you're going to have to pick one of those guys as a fourth outfielder just because there's not enough room for both of them. Do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's <laughs> While there's a lack of bats really pretty much everywhere on the on the diamond right now other than first base, um, yeah, they, they, I don't think they can run NCRT and Malik's out there. It's unfortunate they're both left-handed because um, that could be a pretty cool little platoon. Oh, it would, yeah, it would be so an much. awesome
1: platoon for sure. Uh, but of
0: course— as you know fate would have it they're both lefties and don't really hit lefties all that well so
1: yeah i, I do think Malik's upside is considerable um you know i've kind of I've kind of towed the line on him this year trying to try to temper some of the expectations for him uh, from a lot of Braves fans that are overly excited about malex but at the same time i i think i'm higher on him than some people who basically have written him off there's a few people in the Braves in Braves country who kind of just have I've assumed he's definitely going to be a fourth outfielder or something of that degree i'm kind of in the middle there i think he can be uh, if if he if he if he becomes a league average hitter i think we are assuming he's going to be a good defender and he's obviously going to be able to run and if you can do that if you can do that the combination of those three things you're uh, you're you know a two two or three win player and that's all you need to be um so i think malex i think Malik's could be that i don't want to say that he absolutely will be that but i'm uh, pretty confident he's going to be a little bit better um than people uh, at least at least in the negative people assuming that assume that he'll be and that should allow him to be a, a starting quality player sure yeah uh, we'll get away from that. Uh, I asked you this question. This is an interesting one that I've been asked a couple times in the mailbag portion. I want to ask it to you first. Um, if you had to if you had to list the players that currently make up the Atlanta Braves core as we stand here at the All-Star break in 2016, who, who are the names that you would throw out there?
0: The first four that would probably come to mind would be Freddie Freeman and Julio Tehran, of course, considering what they've done, assuming that, that John Coppola doesn't decide to flip Tehran in next two weeks um but freddie and julia and i think dansby and albies uh they're just they're playing so well um dansby has has picked it up in in double a um albies has just destroyed double a at the age of 19 which is pretty ridiculous um it seems like if you go off of what mark bowman of mlb.com says he thinks that that albies and swanson will be in atlanta uh, sometime within the next month or so. Um, of course the rosters expand in September, but considering what the Braves have up the middle right now and that it wouldn't really affect their service time, um, why not? You know, let's, let's see them have a chance. The Braves really need to be careful not to rush them. Um, but in another month or so, if they're still both playing well in, in the minors in, in Mississippi, or if they move them up to Gwinnett, uh, you know, I think that, that, that certainly the Braves is middle infield in the future. Uh so with that I'll say Freddie, uh Julio, Dansby and, and Albies.
1: I think you're uh if you're if you're naming the four guys, those are obviously the ones in the current in the current organization that are that are the top four assets that the Braves have. Um, you know, it has to be said and we could talk about this a little bit more now, that you know, Tehran's gonna be again a name we hear on the market until the deadline passes. Uh the deadline's into uh, you know just a little bit over two weeks now. Um, and today, the, you know, one of the main, the main target teams that everybody keeps talking about for Julio, the Boston Red Sox kind of made a move on a pitcher. They traded for uh, San Diego's Drew, Pro- Drew Pomeranz. Um, that might take some heat off of the uh, Julio uh, trade rumor bandwagon just because Boston was the team that I, at least I heard the most associated with a potential pursuit of Julio. Um, I've kind of turned around the corner on I, I actively don't want the Braves to trade in t- in Tehran at this point. Um, obviously, for me, uh, this is the, the way I think about it that everybody's available at the right price. So if somebody bowls so many bowls copy over in a way that they did with that Sheldon Miller offer that's the famous one now, then sure, go ahead and pull the trigger on it. But aside from that, even if the Braves were getting fair value, I think I'd like to see them hold on to Julio at this point. I'm encouraged by his uh, performance this season, but more than that, at some point this team has to start fielding a major league roster for next season. Uh, they want to be competitive. I'm not sure that they're going to be able to win 95 games in 2017, um, but if they want to be competitive and be a 500-ish team, by the time they open the new ballpark, the fastest way to do that is to just keep Julio on the team. Um, be the, you know, even if he's not the number one starter next year, preferably you'd have somebody ahead of him. I guess if you're trying to be a big, big winning team, but there's, that's not exactly the easiest path to go down. So, securing a guy that you know is going to be above average um, is huge. So I'll, I'll I would align with you on those four guys, but with the caveat of we don't know. Uh, what he's going to do? He's definitely capable of pulling the trigger on Julio, even if he uh, has said that he's not av- that Julio's not available over and over again over the last couple weeks.
0: I think too with Julio, maybe this is more just Twitter chat or or what. But you know, everyone says, oh, he's he's been the Braves' ace, and then you know anyone can open up Julio's FanGraphs page and and make kind of the the snippy, well, he's not a two point nine six ERA guy, um, and that's true. You know, his FIP is. A full run higher than his ERA, but you're also talking about a guy who is cheap for another three and a half years and has a career 336 ERA over 750 innings. Um, his career FIP is a 3.9. Even if you balance the two out and say he's a 3.5 ERA guy moving forward, which uh, maybe the case, maybe better, maybe worse. Uh, considering that he's only going to get an average of like five million dollars a year the next the next three and a half years, I really think the, that's so valuable to the Braves, especially looking at the the free agent contracts teams are getting. I think it has to be an absolute no brainer. John Coppola couldn't live with himself if he said no offer. Um, because as you said, the Braves do have to become competitive at some point, even not just for the start of 2017, but 2018, 2019, even 2020. Uh, so I, I lean, I'm with you. I don't think the Braves should or will trade Tehran. Um, and of course, he's not the you know, the the top 10 ERA guy in the National League moving forward for the next three and a half years. But he is a hell of a pitcher, um, and he's coming into his prime years. And considering the price tag, I, I can't imagine that the Braves trade him uh, at all, let alone for anything less than just an absolute haul.
1: So it seems like we're both on the team uh, stay put for Julio. Um, with that, we should at least tackle the trade deadline a little bit more. Um, is there a guy or two or three that you'd like to see moved? Um, even if it's just in theory um, before the deadline, I can think of a couple guys myself, but you might have the same ones I do.
0: I think the main, the main player is, is a uh, Viscaino. Vizcaino. Uh, he of course has not had a good last couple of weeks.
1: Thanks snicker.
0: Yeah. I,
1: you know, I kid, I kid. Well, I, yeah. sort, I sort of kid. But.
0: Well, no, I mean, he, he's he's already passed his his big league career high in innings, pitch, and appearances. You do worry about the, the health of his arm. But I think Vizcaino, if he can have a good, strong two weeks, he's a guy you absolutely deal – um, just considering his his past. Um, if you can get a nice couple pieces for him, why not, especially considering some of the, the hard-throwing relievers that are coming up through the system right now. Um, Nick Marcakis, I think we would both agree it would be a dream to get rid of of Cakes in the That's two, my and name years, right there. two and a half years left. Um, and, yeah, and you can certainly touch on Cakes a little bit more because if they can get anything for him, even if it's just more of a salary dump, I think the Braves would, would happily welcome it.
1: Yeah, Marquez is the—he'd be the lead guy for me. Obviously, if they could maximize this guy, you know, in a big package, that would be an overpay. Uh, relievers are generally overrated. We—I uh, think our, our staff, um, even at the time, was kind of all in on a Kimbrel trade when it happened, just to see him uh, get. You know, you want you want to go out and maximize value. I think the Braves were able to do that in that trade for Kimbrel originally. Um, and Vizcaino's not Kimbrel. He's not as good as Kimbrel. He's also. Not nearly as safe, obviously, given the injury history and you know his small his small a much smaller track record of success and you know he's not that young he'll be twenty six soon, uh, and obviously that's that's fairly young, but it's not exactly as if he's going to be under control for a long, long time at a at a super cheap rate, so even if he's able to continue this performance, he's still a reliever on a bad team It's time to sell if you can get anything for him that's uh, of equal or, or greater value but uh, Marcus is the one I think i've been on this since the day he signed the contract. Um, it's not as if he's an awful player. Again, I, I've said this over and over again, but Marquez is not an awful player. He has a skill. He gets on base. There's nothing wrong with getting on base. Even if you don't have power, we make fun of the power because it limits his ceiling considerably. But if you're a guy who only gets on base, plays, and plays you know, below average outfield to be kind, uh, and has absolutely no power, there's really a ceiling on, what, on your usefulness for a playoff team. Um, it would be different, maybe in, in, the, in the American League, where you could probably hide him, maybe as a DH occasionally, maybe as a platoon guy. Um, you take advantage of his, you know, three sixty, three seventy on base percentage in, in a more useful way. But to trot him out there every day and have him, you know, six hundred plate appearances, um, he's going to be like a one win player, and you know that's that's not awful by any means. But you're paying you're paying eleven million dollars a year, and while that might not sound like a, a, a monstrous amount in today's baseball landscape, the Braves are going to have. Uh, some sort of spending restriction. We we don't really know what that's going to be for Liberty Media moving forward into the new ballpark, but $11 million is not nothing. And uh, to think that the Braves won't have a better option by even next year um, is probably – that's kind of terrifying, to be honest. If he's on the roster and not having a better option, that's scary, uh, and obviously you don't want him on the roster. Eleven million dollars if he's the, if he's your fourth outfielder, so it's time to sell if the Braves can. I don't I don't know if they could honestly. I don't know I don't I don't know if they could dump Marquez for nothing right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh you know it's it's, it's I want to say it's just money. So I would rather keep him I guess now than to eat the contract. Uh, like if, if you're if you're, I'm not in a position where you're. I want the Braves to trade Marcakis and and then still pay you know eighty percent of the deal. That would be that would be a bit too aggressive because he's not he's not an awful player again. But if you can get rid of the contract as is for nothing, I would absolutely do that.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And the other thing too, and you kind of touched on this, is he is just kind of a roadblock in right field. Considering he's under contract for another two and a half years, it really limits. Uh, You can only play three outfielders. And if you figure that one of NCRT and Malik's are in there, maybe two of them, uh, then you certainly have to get a better bat than his. Um, And and with the Braves, they will have money to spend, uh, but they can't spend it if they don't have positions open to spend it on. Um, so we'll certainly see. I'm with you. I wouldn't want to eat, you know, eighty, ninety percent, or even a pure salary dump like the Braves did with with Melvin uh, a couple couple years ago.
1: Shout out um, to Melvin, by the way. Melvin is yeah. knocking it dead in San Diego. I always believed. Sorry.
0: <laughs> he might he might have a thirty thirty season with the Padres, and I think oh. that would that might be the ultimate middle finger to the Braves and Braves fans everywhere. He's almost like to the point of Melky Cabrera when Melky left the Braves and then had a couple really good years with the Giants. Um, That's the ultimate
1: one. You're right. You're right. Melky's the one that's the most.
0: Something about center fielders who don't do well in Atlanta and then going on to to good things elsewhere really kind of hurts. But, yeah, I'm with you. If the Braves can get someone to take cakes and even half of his deal, I think they do it. Um, but if it's a pure salary dump, I'd rather just hold on to him. Maybe make him a fourth outfielder. If there's someone you could platoon him with who um, you know doesn't really hit righties but hits lefties, that's another option. Um, so we'll see what they do. He's while there are issues, he's certainly not right field isn't uh, the biggest problem that the Braves have right now.
1: For sure, I think it should be noted though that Marcus while he had a you know he he had a 107 WRC plus last year, being that he was you know a slightly above average offensive player. This year, that's down to 87, and that most of that is that you know his on base percentage is down to 328. Um, if he could, if he uh, posts a 328 on base percentage in the second half, that's a guy you don't want around. Yeah, um, just because he doesn't do anything else. So if if he's not getting on base at a, a clearly above average clip, it gets uglier and uglier, and he's barely, he basically been a replacement level player this year. He has a .2 uh, WAR according to fan graphs, and then over that's you know more than half the season if you actually figure out when the All Star break lands. So. You're looking at a sub-one war, and thats uh, I don't think that's necessarily who he is. He's not over the hill age-wise to the point where he couldn't suddenly start getting on base again. But if he doesn't do that, then it gets even uglier.
0: Yeah, yeah, agree with everything.
1: Um, before we go, I want to at least mention a couple of other guys that could be targets for the Braves to try to trade. I would try to sell high on Jeff Francoeur. Uh, that might not be a, a popular opinion, given that Francois is a fan favorite, and he always he still gets big cheers at Turner Field every time he's introduced. Uh, I went to high school with Jeff, so I uh, I'm partial to him and always will root for him. But at the same time, like he's had, I think he's hitting above above his head right now. So if some team fancies themselves in the Jeff Francois market, uh, that's a playoff team and wants to find a guy who can hit left-handed pitching and get something something of an asset for him, that would be a good guy to target and do that. Um, also, Gordon Beckham. If he, if he comes back and plays well now that he's uh, healthy again, he was uh, playing quite well, actually, uh, before the injury. So that, those are two guys that I think um, the Braves should at least throw out there on the market, a la what they did with Kelly Johnson, and see if they can extract even a minor asset for him. Because um, yeah. you know, these guys are not our control long term, so you want to maximize those guys, and being that they're not going to be on the team two, three years from now.
0: Yeah, and I, I wrote about it a little bit in our uh, in the the trade deadline preview I did for Talking Chop earlier in the week, and I think with Fran Core, um, you and even Gordon Beckham, as you mentioned, you do wonder if the Braves do something similar to what they did last year with with Jim Johnson and, and Kelly Johnson, uh, trading guys who are, who are playing well um, at the deadline and then re-signing them in the offseason. You know, Frank Core, as you mentioned, is a Georgia boy. Gordon Beckham is a Georgia boy. Um, so those guys would the appeal of Atlanta would always be there. So if the Braves really love the two guys as as bench guys and uh, strong influences in the clubhouse, maybe you trade them, get a decent prospect or two for them here in the next two weeks, and then you know just kind of have a handshake agreement. Hey, if you're looking in the off season, we'll be happy to take you back. Um, you know, it's a smart move. If even if you get a fringe reliever for two seasons for him, that's probably more valuable to the Braves than than two months of non-contending baseball. Um, so why not? If, if there's a halfway decent offer out there, I'm guessing that both Fran Core and uh, and Beckham get dealt.
1: Makes sense to me. Uh, before we wrap this thing up, Scott, you have anything to plug? You mentioned the uh, trade deadline preview. Anything else that you've got right now that we should tell people about?
0: Oh, the you know, we, the talking shop top 25 prospects, I think that's going to wrap up tomorrow. Absolutely. Uh, all of our prospect guys, guys did a great job with that. Uh, I think one through five gets revealed tomorrow. Folks can probably figure out who the top five are. Uh, just from process of elimination, from six to 25, um, I think just looking at that list, you, you compare the system now to what it was two or three years ago, and it's it's legitimately amazing. Of course, three years ago the Braves also won 97 games, so people cared um, a little bit less about how the farm system was. Um, but it's it's really pretty remarkable just the pure depth that's in the system right now. I know I did my top 30 prospects um, about two weeks ago, and it's hard, you know, after the top two or three guys. You can really make a case for a handful of them to be anywhere from four to 15, and you can make a huge case for about 20 guys to fit in that back end, um, you know, from 20 to 30. Um, So the overall depth is exciting, and of course, uh, you know, we'll see. I think in the second half, if the Braves start to bring up Swanson and Albies, Malik Smith gets healthy. Mike Fulton keeps pitching like he did before the break. Matt Whistler has shown that at least flashes of being good. Um if Julio is still around, if they bring back Aaron Blair who who will hopefully figure it out a little bit. Um you know, if if the average uh, average player on the team is 23 years old, that's something I'm certainly going to tune into just to see kind of a glimpse of what the 2017 team will look like um and hopefully get some momentum heading into next year. Um, add a couple guys in the offseason and have a, at least somewhat competitive team once they move to, to Cobb County.
1: I knew you'd be able to put us positive spin on things, Scott. I appreciate that about you. That's
0: that's why. That's why.
1: <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Thanks for coming on, Scott. Uh, we want to uh, tell everybody to uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Give us a uh, five star review, preferably on iTunes. Tell your friends. Uh, follow us. Follow us on Talking Chop at Talking Chop. Uh, follow Scott at Scott Fifty Five. Follow me at bt roland uh, stay tuned for uh, a, a podcast episode over the weekend at some point a quick turnaround as the braves get back in action on friday and uh, thanks and always for listening